everybody to Scofield Flowers Social Club. Oh, shit. Social Hour. I want the club to get going. Uh, episode 26. I mean, look at us tonight. Look at us today, though. Look at this. We got some L.C. King, both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, some great people in my family watched the show. They saw how much I was admiring yours, and they got the uh, discount off the Scof Guide to the Holidays, and went online and got uh, got this for me for the holidays. Oh, so. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah. That's and uh, a I quick shout out though. I got to give a quick shout out to Jack because I got the wrong size and uh, the I got the large and it was just way too big. Shot him a note, sent me out this one, which is a medium with mm -hmm. a return label, dropped off the large in the, uh, the return right to FedEx. So didn't even have to like purchase another one or send it back and wait for the new one to come top-notch customer service so so happy um you know with the with that and you know american made and top quality oh I, i'm telling you i can't you know this is like my this is probably i've only i haven't worn this one as much and i think you know i washed it it fits perfect now um i uh, because it was a little big on me but then but so was the other one and then when you wash it it feels good because this jacket isn't meant to be like the skinny jeans or some shit like this no. like, you know i got a nice sweatshirt from deus under here you know nice. and, i mean this is just a great jig i wore this in chicago when we were doing the chicago seven trial yeah and, uh, and i was warm i had this i had this exact thing on with a scarf and i was uh, perfectly fine and um look at the stitching on this right oh yeah yeah, no, I, I was just looking at it and like all the details and um, and, and same like the reason I the size I got large is because I have that medium, the yeah. uh, pointer brand one that I have, and I can get like a thin sweatshirt yeah. under it. Yeah. And it's a little snug. And so I go, okay, let me go large because I want to be able to wear this one as like an overcoat. I want to yeah. be able to put a jacket on and then put this over it, uh, put a hoodie underneath it, you know, something like that. And the, the large was just way too big. So when I made the exchange, I was like, well, you know, nice thing is I can try the medium, see how it fits. If it's too, too small, maybe I'll just wash the large, get it, you know, a little bit smaller mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. I put this one on, I put a hoodie underneath it and it was perfect. And I was like, awesome. that's exactly what I wanted. I want to be able to layer with this one a little more than I can with the, with the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know what I do with this one? And like, so this one is starting to break in now. Mm -hmm. So once you start breaking it in, Oh my God, it's like butter on you. You know, oh, yeah. it's so comfortable. And so, some great Jack King, uh, you know, uh, uh, LC King news here. Um, Nicole and I got on with Jack, and we had a fantastic call. Um, you know, we had um, we had talked about doing a collab with mm -hmm. Schofield's Flowers, and I told him that I really wanted to bring back like the men's car coat, something that you would have seen Jack Nicholson wear in Chinatown, or you know, just to, like, it could be like almost like a bomber, but like almost like that tan material that you have on your pointer. Yeah. And I have one, another jacket like that, very similar. And then it has the brown uh, bottoms. And then, and then we talked about a zipper on that. And then uh, I want the collars to be a little bit larger. You know, I like mm -hmm. this collar. This collar's a little yeah. bit, but even a little bit larger, right? And mm -hmm. then, and then, um, so I sent him some examples. And he loved it. And then we talked about the buttons and rather than zipper on one buttons on the other. And yeah. we talked about buttons here and here. And then, uh, so he's designing one that's a little bit longer and then he's designing one that's shorter. And then I said, you know, I'd really love to get, um, I have these coveralls, right. 
and mm -hmm. uh, well, it's a jumpsuit, the black jumpsuit I wore, and I met yep. I met Nicola in it, and she yep. just walked up and said, "Dude, I love you. What, you know, this is so fly." And then I can even tell you, I was talking with a with a, a guy that I, I compete against all the time. I was at the AICP awards, and you know, it's a creative black tie. So I wore this great fucking brim, big brim hat, straight brim. And I wore the jump black jumpsuit with a cravat and a white cravat, and it looks so good with my with my uh, bands. Everybody's like, what? All the girls. So this guy sees me come out. He sees me, and I go, Yo, what's up, guy? And he's like, What in God's name are you wearing? <laughs> and I go, I'm wearing a fucking jumpsuit, dude. I said, This jumpsuit's from a top designer here in L.A. By the way, not. I'm not kidding. You. Four, five, six girls ran out to me. Go scope. Oh my God, he looks so fly. Oh my God, Scope, <laughs> kiss, you know. Oh my God, Brandon, I'm so pissed that I didn't wear my jumpsuit like Scope. We could have been walking around all night. I said, sorry, Brandon, you would have been out of the, you would have been on the outs, right? He looked at me and I, he just looked at me in awe and I just said, gave him some knuckles, said, dude, you need to get a fucking jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, when I wear this jacket, you wear that, I get so many people walk up and give me compliments. It's crazy. Oh yeah, you know? oh yeah. So, um, so anyways, then cut two, we're doing a jumpsuit with the logo in the back. I, I, I he's Jack's doing these, these, he's going to make them in the S what size of war and he's going to do some, you know, build it out and look at it. And then we're going to talk about deal points and different things like that. But when Nicole and I, and then we talked about a butcher apron too, right? That would be cool. That would be cool. And when Nicole and I got off the phone with, and with Jack, we just looked at each other, you know, we got on a zoom and we just said, what a great guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like Southern hospitality. Oh, I'm yeah. just like in awe of his, you know, go get it. Let's do something. He even goes East and West, baby. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that was so yeah. good. So yeah. I'm so just appreciated to have uh, met him to appreciate his, what he's done and love wearing his stuff. And you're looking great today, brother. Looking I appreciate great. it. I, I'm definitely looking better than some of those flowers in the vase back there, man. You need to water <laughs> them. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't do any designing. I just sort of like, so oh, as, we, yeah. as, as you're watching our show, everyone, God, this is like, this. Is wow. Your grandfather is just so disappointed he's, in you he's right now. He's in his grave, right? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, oh, man. I'm going to blame that one on my wife, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm Sorry, like, Judy. How can you leave me here? She's in Arizona. I'm like, what are you doing leaving me with a mess like this? But uh, so, uh, oh man, uh, it's great. But uh, yeah, so, anyways, what else? We went through the holidays, had some great times. Some of the kids couldn't come over because uh, uh, Michael had COVID. So he's uh. done with it. Um, I was just going back and forth with Denise. You know, she sent, I was there, we have our secret Santa. And of course, she got me some really cool stuff. She got me, uh, Judy got me some new bands and I'm going to go take back. Of course, they don't fit right. But, um, uh, but I mean, it's just, I tried a different shoe that I normally do. And then uh, Denise bought me a great pair of Levi's and uh, a belt that I wanted because I bought that belt uh, in um, Pioneer Town. It's like this, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so I wanted to get a belt, but she bought me a 36 and I'm a 30 four ways which the 36 is like <laughs> you're, so. you're just keep you know through the lockdowns it's just gonna you know you're gonna need a 36 you know next year you'll need a 38 yeah, yeah so i'm getting a 38 i just <laughs> I, I just i resumed to the fact that i am like growing and i'm gonna yeah. continue to grow so i'm gonna enjoy my portly self right yeah <laughs> I mean, it's a too little. much damn work to get down to fucking 33s and 4s again. 
Yeah, yeah. So, how about you? What was yours? Oh, but the funny story is she gave me the receipt and said, don't lose this. <laughs> well, Seriously. I had to call her today and she had to send it on the cell phone today. So, I'm going to attempt to go to Macy's and bring it back and we'll see if I, uh, if they'll let me in, you know, if it, yeah. I don't know if it's open, to be honest with you. I'm not sure what uh, retail is in LA. Yeah. I know down here it's it's open, but it's like 20%. So it's right. you know pretty pretty small unless you're in and everyone's spaced out. I mean downtown Disney's open for retail shopping, and it's like a ghost town there because of how few people they're letting in. So, which but you know you're you're socially distant, you know, yeah. pretty easily. There there's a good amount of people there, but it, you know compared to what normally would be downtown disney it's not jam-packed and you can move around you know pretty yeah. easily without people around it but um holidays are great you know uh we did uh uh christmas eve with the in-laws you mm. know that's their kind of tradition had tamales all the delicious food and then uh christmas day with my family and then um the next day after we went out to the desert did some shooting uh you know brought the brought the the toys out and yeah i saw that i saw you gotta invite me next time i want to go out and shoot yeah it's actually it's pretty cool because where my my mom lives there's uh a mountain not too far and you just go to like the base of the mountain you're able to shoot into it nothing behind you nothing can get in way of you tons of other people are there like tons of other people have shot there as well so you can see like little remnants of uh targets and shells and stuff so it's a a nice little spot you can just go outside be in nature but you know do some Could you stuff. and i go out there with guns and play capture the flag uh yeah no probably not not <laughs> capture the flag with real guns no so uh, i mean with the, state of, with the state of america right now i just figured yeah. you know we'll take one side or the other red or blue <laughs> we'll, we'll go as the purple party yeah purple party right <laughs> um yeah that was good and then new year's uh we actually watched um uh a live podcast from two bears one cave two comedians, Burt Kreischer, Tom Segura, and uh, they showed a clip of uh, Tom Segura going for a dunk, uh, blew out his knee, fell out in his arm, had a compound fracture, and uh, so it was pretty gnarly, but it was a lot of fun. We were just, you know, laying low, being mellow, and then, you know, had uh, a few cocktails ourselves and watched, watched the, or counted down at midnight, and that was that. Yeah, I didn't even make it to midnight. Oh, no, they forced me to stay up. <laughs> we I woke my up. wife up. Back. She fell asleep. I woke her up like a minute before and was like, hey, ball's going down. Wake up. <laughs> I think we tried to watch the ball in uh, Chicago. Yeah. And then uh, we were, because we're only, you know, so that would be in, uh, for us, 8 o'clock. And uh, so, or no, no, 10 o'clock. So I was like, okay, we watched the ball. I'm like, no, no, no. And they were started playing games. I don't know. I love playing games once I get into them, but I just can't play. You know, I don't know. It's just like, I'm always want to be in the mood. It's crazy. I'm feeling like so locked up lately, but uh, yeah, what's going on with all the pandemic and everything. It's just so sad. I just hope we can get through this. I, Oh, I didn't tell you. I got, I got a shot. Oh, I got the first shot. Nice. So, um, because we're uh, uh, my um, son's daughter is a first responder and nurse mm -hmm. and everything. And we watch her kid. And they, they literally said, if you have um, family, uh, watch it if you have family and they have to be you know immediate type family um mm -hmm. um like your parents or your in-laws um they can get a shot because we can't lose you as a nurse so we wound up getting the first shot and then i go on the 27th to get the second one nice 
did you hear there was, i think it's in like modesto county or something like that um the condenser of a freezer went out oh, and by the time they and, and usually there's like an alarm that goes off if that happens but i guess the fail safe for the alarm went out too and it had all like 600 vaccines in it and so literally they were like i know what this, the guidelines say like this is who you have to give it to first they're like well if we follow protocol these are all going to go to waste so mm -hmm. they were literally just in their town calling up like nursing homes hey how many do you you got there cool come on down we'll take yeah. care of you you're in the Great. hospital we're going to get you so they literally made the decision to not waste them because they know they're in limited capacity but it's like if if someone didn't find out that that happened it would have just like 600 of them gone wow that's great. yeah that's crazy well all right well who do we uh we got coming yeah. up here? i was gonna say scope speaking of you know east and west we got uh you know someone on the east coast and uh long long time uh, good friend sister obviously so mm -hmm. uh we got uh georgette, georgette from angelos uh, yeah georgette angelos the uh, sister of uh nicola angelos of Shagbag, and this was a fun one scope i mean i i think i was at the edge of my seat just listening in and and enjoying it um so i'm sure for the viewers at home they're going to be uh doing the same but um tell them a little bit about uh, what to expect in this one i mean you know uh, she got the rights to um shoot uh, boston george uh, who was uh, who johnny depp played uh, uh, the character in the, the movie below mm -hmm. and um I mean, they—they they, he was in jail for over 20 years, and uh, I—it's just a fantastic. It's absolutely a fantastic show. She, you know, what they went through to get the uh, the show to complete the five-part series documentary mm -hmm. and things on him and everything is just like mind-boggling. Plus, they were going through the uh, now we're going through the you know Johnny Depp has had some issues, but I mean he's they just couldn't say or I mean he's in the he's in the uh, documentary and they couldn't say enough about him so. Um, she's really a fantastic uh, uh, filmmaker, and I couldn't be happier for her. And uh, yeah, let's cut over to her. George happened. So I was at a cannabis conference shooting something for um, what Snoop's company's name was Mary Jane, or is Mary Jane. <laughs> I love that. Um, big surprise, M-E-R-R-Y Jane. And, um, and someone came up to me randomly and was like, hey, you know, have you ever seen the movie Blown? I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, do you want to meet George Young? And I was like, what the F? Like, yeah, of course, I didn't know. You know, it was the same things that people say to me for three years. Like, I didn't know he was still alive. I didn't know he was out of prison, whatever. Um, so I walk over and I see this older gentleman with long hair that looked exactly like the character and exactly like whatever. And I said, hey, George, I'm Georgette. Nice to meet you. I'm the female version of you. And he said, well, I like how the female version of me looks a lot better. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm holding it down for the both of us. So we kind of had a laugh and walked away. And it's weird because I organically met Snoop the same way. And I left that first meeting um, being like, this isn't the end. And that's kind of how I felt uh, instinctually with George. So about two weeks later, someone called me and um, asked if I knew any producers that would want to uh, produce his documentary. And I don't know <laughs> if I knew what I know today, I might've hesitated a little bit more, but I was just like, I do, you know? And I was really, um, comfortable in my position at Mary Jane. It was awesome. You know, obviously I'm working with Snoop and a lot of my other uh, idols, especially in the music hip hop, uh, hip hop world. But um, 
yeah, I just said, I do. And I gave my two week notice about two days later, cause I flew up and saw George and um, he signed his life rights over to me. Wow. So it was wow. pretty wild times. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. And then um, everything kind of started from there. Yeah. Can you tilt your computer up a little bit? Cause you're half your, we're losing a little bit. There sure, we go. Sure, Perfect. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. And so what, yeah. um, so then you had to do, then you had to put the entire plan into place. Then you had to raise the money. Then you had to, you know, do all of that. Correct. Yeah. Um, with George, you know, it wasn't, there's nothing orthodox about it. You know, like there was nothing by the book as in like, right. you know, you do all the preparation, but when you have uh, a gentleman like George, who was just fresh out of prison um, from a 25 year sentence, it's like, you know, it's like rock and roll. Like you just, like, you got to just fly by the seat of your pants. I mean, like I said, he signed his life rights over to me, my co-producer, Chris, mm -hmm. for 15 years, but that means nothing. I mean, we went to go shoot our, have our first shoot with him. And um, it was maybe like three days before I was flying up to Sacramento to sit with him in his apartment and start kind of, you know, the research interviews and delving into things. And his, um, uh, the woman that he was with at the time called me and was like, George just got drug out by seven cops. Um, right. And he got arrested because he violated his probation. So my first interview went from being set up in his interview to then that whole thing got scratched and he was back in prison. So my first interviews with him were at the Sacramento jail. Oh my um, God. Obviously, vis like visually was so compelling. And me and George like pounded through the glass because he's like, this is pretty, this is pretty good start, don't you think? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely, but your expense, I'm so sorry. I don't think he knew how long he was going to be in there because it was for about six months mm -hmm. um, that he was incarcerated again. So it was a really heavy start and it was a really heavy process throughout the whole time because he's a wild card and he loves his scotch, uh, you know, like we all do at times, but this it was pretty consistent to say the least. Um, and also, you know, between his health and this and this, and you just kind of have to just really rock and roll and film and do what you can when you can do it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then, so, and I saw a lot, I mean, you guys did a lot of traveling. So I saw you went to his home, uh, his hometown where he started everything out, uh, mm -hmm. where he grew up as a kid and all the plans with tuna which was, yeah. you know, an interesting uh, interview and everything to see somebody yeah. that many years later. I mean, uh, and then you had, and then you had all the DEA agents and I mean, he just seems like such a, like if I met him and I know you now, and I, if I met him, I'd probably be like, he's like, Hey, let's go hang out with George because he's just a hoot and he's yeah, a storyteller, he's, you know? Yeah. He's incredible. Um, and he's like an existentialist, you know, he's a poet. It's like hanging out with like Hunter S Thompson. It's like the same type of vibe, which funny enough, you know, it's like, that's why they couldn't have picked, they couldn't have casted better than Johnny than Johnny Depp because um, he's the same kind of vibe. You know, it's like, he totally, when they met, uh, it was this um, synergy that, you know, was pretty undeniable from what I, from what I uh, gathered. So really just cool stuff. To that degree, you know, without going too much into, I guess, the, the documentary, but how much would you say Blow is true to story or, or what, I guess, creative liberties do you think were, were put into it that, you know, people would want to know? Yeah, no, there's, um, they just did it. They did a fantastic job. Um, they did a fantastic job, but there are those stories that are like moments that, it's like, it's their, their own movie. You know what I mean? So to pick and choose and, um, you know, of course they had to be careful with names because some of those people were in prison or this, 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 you know, Carlos later, 
was um, Diego, whoever, you know what I mean? But because of that, they weren't able to get that signed off on because either people were dead or incarcerated or whatever the case may be. So um, they had to tiptoe around a bit, uh, but again, did a really fabulous job. I mean, Ted Deming was a phenomenal director and, um, and uh, I would say that, you know, paying homage to George while he was in prison, because of course he wasn't able to enjoy any of it or um, experience any of it. Um, and uh, that's kind of like where we laid the precedent of what story we told, you know, because we had this, we have these huge shoes to fill as documentarians um, with a pretty heavy act to follow. So I would say that they did well, but, um, you know, there was just, again, so many stories. That's why it turned out to be a five-part series. We naturally were like, okay, this is going to be a documentary and it'll be a film. Um, and once we started talking to George, we were like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. It's all too good. Um, you know, and just the same way that film starts out, it starts out at like five, six hours, and then you edit it down. Uh, and this, and it's like literally five parts was like as minimum of is the minimum that we could do. Right, right. And then what about Johnny Depp? That must have been a great experience, right? Yeah, it was. Um, it was really crazy. Again, just a really uh, organic thing. That it's just it's all wild. You know, like things are kind of written in the stars a little bit. I I feel like um in a big way play your cards right and you kind of do everything with really good um, intentions. So, you know, we had worked so hard to keep George out of trouble and not, you know, just keeping him alive it was like a full-time job because uh, he's just like totally off the hand, off the handle. But um, again, it's rock and roll, you know, it's like rock and roll and he's the man. So uh, when it boiled down to it, we had already been, we had already finished filming. Um, we thought that our martini uh, our last shot was going to be at George's birthday party that I threw at the Chinese theater because I recreated the film premiere for him. You know, we had a white carpet and we were at the Chinese theater and it was in, you know, theater one. And we just really, it was just an amazing experience. I was like, it's not going to get any better than this. Um, and it was just one of those things, just how you were saying, Scope, like sometimes you dream and you wake up and you're like, okay, I need to move on something. I just woke up th with this really weird uh, gut feeling to just be like, F it. I'm just gonna write them one more time and write Johnny's, um, you know, manager like one time. And he wrote me back within like 15 minutes. Wow. And I'm like, listen, George, but, and when I said with the good intentions, like I sincerely wrote them being like, listen, we're done filming. Don't even care to film with Johnny. Does not matter. I just want to bring him and George back together. That's all George talks about is seeing Johnny again before he died. So he said, um, he's on tour with the Hollywood vampires, blah, 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 you know? So I said, well, I saw that the last, you know, I'm looking it up now. I saw that the last show is in Palm Springs. I can drive George out. And he's like, done. So we went out and <laughs> that story was just, it's just insane. But, you know, like parked next to the tour bus, walked in through the back door and you're like, okay, how did one email just turn into this? I have no idea. Um, and we walked in the green room and George is in there with Joe Perry. And you're like, well, we made it again. This is gonna be the best. This is gonna be the best this is ever gonna get. Uh, and Johnny just loved um, our company so much and loved being with George so much. And um, he looked at me before he left and was like, or before we all parted ways after the show, um, was like, if you need anything, let me know. So I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And um, yeah, just it was like one more email where I'm like, if he's open to it, let's schedule it. And they said, what, what about next week? It was like all right, everyone get on a plane. You know what I mean? Like everyone get on a plane. Like you all yeah. need to meet in LA right now. We're going to go to Johnny Depp's house. We're going to film. 
like sack up pretty much. Like we need, we need to just make moves because this is about to be another, like the biggest last thing we're going to do. Um, and that was the last thing. So we, we filmed the Johnny's house. He was ex extremely hospitable. Um, really lovely to work with. I mean, me and Nicole, I took my sister to dinner with all of us the next day and Johnny like very humbly walked up to me and was just like, did I do okay? Like, did it sound okay? Was it okay? And I'm like, that's no, it was horrible. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Was, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. You're like, fired. Yeah. If there's anything more that you want me to do. And I'm like, let's just sit down to dinner. Like that sounds <laughs> like an okay thing for us to do now. And it was wonderful. So one of the best experiences of my life. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, when I hear Johnny talk about him, it, mean, it's really is sincere. And he, you know, he says he was a real outlaw. And I mean, if you watch a cowboy, any cowboy, you know, there was Jesse James and there's all these other characters throughout life. There's always been outlaws and some, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, look at the history they had with them. I mean, they, everybody was following them like they were superstars. So I think it's like to see, and then to hear Ted Demi uh, on the red carpet say, boy, we've come a long way. If anybody told me I was going to be making a movie about blow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like just like how Ted said, he said on the red carpet, he's like, yeah, he's like, I think we're going to make a sequel. We're going to call it Rehab. That's great. The sincerity, and this is, this is the funny thing about George, right, is especially with me uh, working with him so closely for so long. So if you know this, I mean, like I took care of him, you know, financially, emotionally, everything sure. uh, for a very long time but you just love him. Like he's a total SOB, but you love him so much. And these men like really loved him and every, he left such a heavy mark on everybody. And that's why I know that this series is, is going to be gravitated to whether you like really dug the movie or not, or if you never saw it because you're like, what is it about this guy? And really it's because he's just the most charming outlaw in the yeah. words of John Depp. I mean, yeah. quite a charming outlaw, you know, Boston George is the only one and only, and um, he's the last of a dying breed. I mean, it doesn't Men like that don't exist anymore uh, in a lot of ways. So, how was it like? Um, it must have been pretty interesting meeting. It was Bruce Porter did the wrote the book, yeah. correct? Yeah, that must have been like. I mean, what I, he must have dealt with the exact same thing that you were dealing with, right? <laughs> we were all we were all behind the camera, just going like this the whole time, <laughs> talking like, "Yeah, we get it," and nothing has changed within twenty five years. Um, so, George wrote his autobiography on the um, floor of his prison cell mm -hmm. and he named it grazing in the grass until the snow came pretty epic title like pretty amazing but because it was um in first person in the first person he was writing from experiences they're like none of this is true uh pretty epic tale but none of this is true um but they went to get it published uh bruce porter got assigned to it to do all the investigative um journalism and traveled with george for two years Wow. But again, like a snippet of Bruce's interview is him being like, and George, you know, kind of, you know, it's like the back and forth of them telling their experiences. Um, and George said that he would walk down and Bruce would be like, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm done. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, it's, it's over. And he's like, you're crazy. And he's like, that's why you're here, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like, I, if I wasn't crazy, then this wouldn't be a thing. Um, yeah. And Bruce was like, it was all true. Like, I can't believe it. You know, they went to Mexico, to Colombia, to his hometown, to wherever. And, um, you know, Bruce said it just the same way that I did. Real pain in the ass, best experiences of our lives. Because wow. George was just 
It's just a one of a, it's a one of a kind thing. I mean, I, I I honestly still to this day. I mean, I'm looking at my wall in my living right, room right now, and it's like a huge uh, um, photo of me and George out on the tarmac of a of a private airport. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? You know, like how did this how did this go down? But it, it did. So just well, I mean, to say. get to get anything made is really hard. In Hollywood, curious. I mean, what you did is fantastic, and I, I applaud you because, um, you know, honestly, it's like uh, I've tried to get a few things off the ground, and and it's tough. It's it, there's so many obstacles, but I think documentaries are is a great medium because you can you have the ability to actually finish something like you did, right, and then get it in the can, and then all the editing, and it, it's just it's just so much work. I just shot a short film here at the house called stay in because <laughs> yeah. we're staying in right and yeah. and i put them from the producers that didn't tell you to get out are telling you to stay in right <laughs> yeah. and it's That's a docu comedy you know i mean it's a it's a dark comedy and it's, i've had a lot of fun but it's like i shot it march last year and i'm finally getting to the final edit and finally getting the music done and i'll finally maybe be done by march and it's like took a whole year so it's it's really hard and i can imagine how many hours and hours of film or video that you guys had and you got to go through every single source of it and you're never happy no matter what as good as it can be as great as you think your film is ever going to be any director i don't i think you're like an artist you always want to go back and continue painting right yeah and that's the hardest thing just saying okay we're done like we've talked about we're done yeah. we're going to go sell this and and that's it so uh, you just made a deal with uh, one, two, three go films, right. As a distribution partner. So how's that going for you? I mean, it's just probably the beginning. We got a pandemic going on, but people are looking for stuff. So where are you at with that? I mean, how's that going? Yeah. There's a huge need for content right now. Brady Bowen, who uh, is our partner and he um, started one, two, three go films. He was with Archstone distribution, which was, you know, still is huge. Um, I think for like 20 years or something like that, you know, some really lengthy amount of time until he decided to branch off and do his own thing. Um, and yeah, it was like connected with him through AFM because we had gone a couple mm -hmm. years ago and just kind of touch base with people because we were looking for people to partner with. And um, it was like a no questions asked thing with him. So it was awesome. And to to feel that stability and that confidence in who you're partnering with is, is huge. You know, as filmmakers, you don't want anyone who's like, doesn't really grasp the concept you know what i mean it was like a no-brainer for him it's a no-brainer for us and that's where we're at so um the conversations thus far have gone extremely well it's somewhat very it's not somewhat it is it is proprietary info of who like the discussions are back and forth but mm -hmm. um you know we're hoping to have uh god willing a little bit of a of a bidding war going on and and see who really wants it the most and it'll find its home after that so wow we're that's, that's great hey, yeah Jeff. I'm curious, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, you, you whittled it down to, to a five part, you know, series, and I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that you would love to keep it in, but for context and, you know, making sure that everything uh, has, you know, the right story to tell and everything, what's maybe a good story that had to get cut from, from the final product? Really great question. Um, I would say, uh, Barry Levinson, um, who, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah. and, and a lot of really just great incredible director. Um, yeah, really great director. He moved uh, to Hollywood and someone that he was connected with introduced him to George. He moved into George's pool house in Beverly Hills. So 
this whole story is unfolding and George is telling us and we're like, you know, whatever, kind of, you know, maybe it's BS. We don't know. I'm not going to call Barry Levinson and ask him, you know what I mean? Um, and so he was living there. He was moving there from Maryland to become a, a, a writer. He was a young kid. You know, you're moving into this house. You have no idea how the house even came to be, who this guy is that you're living with or whatever. So George is telling a story. He's like, yeah, he was like kind of shy. And um, we were always, I always had a bunch of, you know, women in the pool and blah, blah, blah. And like, he was just kind of in there writing. And I guess he tried to get George to go to some auditions, but the people that he auditioned with were like, you got to drop the Boston accent. And he was just like, you, you know, like normal, bo normal Bostonian vibe. How are you going to do like, that? <laughs> You're not yeah. an actor yet. Yeah, a GTFO. So it was like, um, it was hilarious because, you know, George is telling a story and he's like, yeah, whatever, but whatever. So I think at some point Barry realized what he was doing, which was smuggling a lot of marijuana at the time. And uh, he goes, listen, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you're gonna end up in prison. And he was like, okay, little boy, like run along, you know? <laughs> and, um, and he said, full circle, I'm sitting in prison and I see the, uh, the Emmys are going on and Barry walks up on stage. <laughs> and, and it was George sitting in the prison cell and Barry Levinson is up, you know, accepting whatever probably, you know, multiple awards at that time. Right. And you're just sitting there. So when I threw the the birthday party at the Chinese theater, I actually did call Barry Levinson and he he called us back from, I think he was in Russia. And he was like, please tell George I love him and whatever. And I was like, here's his, here's his number. So yet again, true to form, the story was true. <laughs> like Barry Levinson lived in the pool house. And, you know, I mean, you're like sitting there being like, there's no way, you know, my favorite story with George, and this is not one that like, does, we decided to cut out, but you know, it's the same thing where it's like, um, in the beginning of the day, uh, he was telling me about how he um, went to go visit Stevie Nicks backstage, the obvious reasons, if anyone knows anything about Stevie Nicks. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and he was just like, yeah, and she turned me down, you know, they were like, okay, yeah. Stevie's busy, see you later. And then at the end of the day, he was like, I made love to her until the sun came up. And it was like, okay, well, in the beginning of the day, she kicked you out. But at the end of the day, now you made love until the sun came up. So it's just hysterical because you're like, some of this has to be bullshit. But um, <laughs> things like that, like the Barry Levinson story was absolutely true. So it's it's wild. That was one of the ones that we were like, okay, this can kind of, maybe this could make the cut in the um, Hollywood more vibey episode that has Johnny Depp in it. Um, but we decided to cut it. That's great. That's great. Um, and what about one of your best stories with Johnny Depp? What was like at dinner or whatever? What was one of your favorites oh. there? I love him, by the way. I think he's fantastic. I hate what's happening with him and all the crap over, you know, with his uh, ex and everything. And I just don't believe it. I just think he's too good of a guy. I just don't think there's a, I don't know. He might, I just think he's a true artist and, and, and he's just, if he met with you and you did this film, then he, you know, he has his heart in the right place. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I'll leave it at that uh, yeah. because, because even me as, um, you know, I'm a true blue, you know, strong female. And yep. um, if I thought there was a pinch of it that was true, I, I, I wouldn't even speak on it, but it's heartbreaking. Um, dinner was amazing. Um, our times at his house were amazing. You know, I was five months pregnant at the time. So I'm like walking up the hill, like, it, like in the hills, like, you know, uh, and you kind of like knock, I won't say like what house he lives in, but it's like this insane house, obviously, that's like very old up in the, hill, up in the hills. And I kind of like had to like knock on the gate, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I walk up and it's like, you know, him and George are sitting there carrying on whatever, listening to Bob Dylan, like this like epic 
scene where I'm like, yet again, if anyone wants to wake me up from this dream, I'll, I'm like, do it. <laughs> I can do it, do it in like 10 minutes, but then like, but wake me up. Um, and uh, again, incredible experience. Those two carrying on with each other. Uh, just, I mean, it's kind of things I can't even like really speak on, but it was just like really cool, like intimate moments with like the two, having the two of them sitting next to each other. I'm like, why do I not have a camera on me right now? But yeah, yeah. Um, dinner was awesome. Uh, again, when I was pregnant, so there was a lot of Louis the 13th that was, that was being passed around between my sister and, and George and Johnny. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> yeah, you can't drink exactly i'm like great great timing to go to, to go to dinner with johnny depp um, <laughs> but uh and and george and my sister so um i think like there was this really cool natural moment between him and nicola where she was just like as an artist as well yeah you know they like love we all like love to hear the compliments and like really not even speaking from a fan's point of view but from an artist's point of view she's like your characters have always just really blown me away. Like really, really incredible. And he started thanking her going through every single character, like <laughs> was changing his voice every five seconds. To, oh like, my say, God. Say whatever wow. sentences. And Nicole yeah. was like, you know, wow. Because <laughs> right. yeah. it was like going from, you know, did, to, did George to, you know, um, Willy Wonka from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to, you know what I mean? Just like ran through all the characters and you're saying they're like, wow just wow. mind blown so it wasn't i mean we were there for five hours you know yeah. that's how long the dinner was i think that's probably a, a pretty normal dinner for him but i I'm think the real like, question people want to know is what does he smell like <laughs> incredible he smells like now i have uh, <laughs> he smells i will be completely honest with you um it's no not a, there's not like a specific cologne scent it's more of like nag champa have you ever smelled that incense uh -uh. It's very earthy incense. And Scope, I think you know the story. When I first moved to LA, um, it's very weird full circle and I'll keep it short. But um, when I first moved to LA, I was living in a house in the hills and I found these photos and journals and books in the back of the closet when we were moving out. They were like covered in dust. And it was just like Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, all these photos. And I yelled down to my huh. roommate at the time. I was like, whose Johnny Depp photos are these? And he's like, who gives a shit? Throw them away. And I'm like, no. Definitely no not. I don't think he realized what I had found. Um, and none of those, I was living with all, all guys who like, you know, didn't give a crap to like, you know, they're like, oh, there's a box, don't care. And like kept, kept moving. Yeah. Um, and it was Johnny Depp's um, very close friend, <coughs> his tattoo artist, Jonathan Shaw, his, um, his assistant had lived in that house. So she left all the stuff. I think she like her and her boyfriend broke up or whatever the case was and like left all his personal stuff. Long story short, I ended up moving into Johnny Depp's old room because I returned these photos of Johnny and, you know, Marilyn Manson, Iggy Pop, like all these wild photos. And at the time yeah. I was 20 and broke, I obviously could have done what like, you know, any kind of person that doesn't have a, a moral compass would have done, but I had decided to give them back. And um, Jonathan was leaving for, for Brazil and he's like, do you want to move into my penthouse and watch, watch over the penthouse for the next six months? And I was like, yeah. Yes, I do. Yep. That sounds a lot better than whatever apartment that I'm living in. You know what I mean? Whatever place yeah. I'm living in now. Yeah. And, um, and I was living in Johnny's old room that he used to live in with. Uh, it's Me. at the Fontenot off, off Hollywood Boulevard, if you guys know where that is. It's like one of like, yeah, yeah. the tallest, oldest buildings in Hollywood. Um, but that apartment to Johnny's house, to whatever, like all these dudes burn this incense. Um, and that's what he smells like. It's like very 
earthy and real and kind of like this, you know, like raw, really good smell. Yeah. It's like, you, it's very specified, obviously. So anyway, buy some Nag Chamba. It's awesome. Then, you'll feel like- <laughs> so, then all the ladies will be like, oh my God, are you Johnny Depp? And you're like, yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll 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 someone and they'll be like, Johnny's nearby. Where yeah, is exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. In. <laughs> Freddie and I would have to go first, get a couple wigs and then we could maybe pull off Johnny, right? <laughs> right. Yes. I've been known to- you know, I've yeah. been known to play a few different roles in my life as an actor. <laughs> yeah, but you guys all wear really cool hats too and really cool clothes, like the best style. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Th- thank you. And well, once again, yeah. so if we're like in uniform, both with a black I know. hoodie. I know. I know, we, we literally wear like, I mean, him and I are both, I can never grow a beard like that. I would kill to grow that beard, but mine's a little too thin. So um, yeah, so, but thank you. Um, that's how I actually, I met, uh, Jet and her sister, uh, Nicola uh, Coco. I, I call her Nick for whatever reason. I was like, you got to just go with Nick with me. I just can't, you know, and I she calls it. me That's Steve. It. And I'm like, nobody calls me Steve, but my mother. <laughs> so, yeah, and Nicola. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and Nicola. So yeah. I met them at a, uh, at a uh, um, what hotel was that? That was at the Sunset Marquee. Sunset Marquee. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had on this crazy jumpsuit and this hat and, and it was for a children's foundation, so uh, raising money or something like that, right? And so- um, I met uh, the two of them. Uh, Nicola walks up and says, "Who the hell are you? You know, with this fly outfit you got on." And, and of course, she looked fantastic. And then I saw their stuff, and it was great. And I, do, I, it really was very dear to me that you. I helped walk them out to the car, and they had all these clothes. And I said, "No, I'll help you." You know. And uh, then um, Jet says, "Hey, you know, I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. I'm leaving like tomorrow. I think it was the next day you were leaving." And it was the last time together with your sister for a while. And he says, take care of my sister. You understand? And I said, done. And now we've become the best of friends. And Yeah, I just and, got goosebumps. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So what, um, so, I mean, I'm blessed to have her and you. And, you know, I, I can't wait to meet your family. I mean, I just Thank like, I, I just need to get down there and meet everybody, you know, yeah, and see Chuck seafood. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got another project coming up, right? I mean, are you able to talk about that? I mean, it's or um, give us a little uh, download on it, uh, 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 the elevator pitch. Yeah, the elevator pitch is, and the reason why, and I will say this right now, it's not anything, nothing set in stone. There's no paper signed, there's nothing. Right. Um, no, literally like proposals have been sent um, and it's kind of been like a verbal, yes. Um, but nailing these dudes down, I always like choose the easiest projects and the easiest people to work with, obviously, that are like, yeah, yeah, we're all over the place. Try to be like, you know, catch us if you can type thing. Yeah. Um, but these guys, um, they just, I mean, they just discovered the biggest, the biggest shipwreck, the biggest treasure wreck of all time. It's 900 tons of treasure called wow. the uh, Maravilla. So it's off of, um, off the Bahamas. So not wow. willing, that's like the most I can like really uh, talk about because again, it's not, not anything set in stone, but um, you know, if you guys ever see any Instagram posts of me in the Bahamas, you know what's going on. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there about to. I'm there in my bathing suit with it, standing behind a camera, telling people what to do. Well, so that's all I care about the bathing suit. How is it? <laughs> exactly. That's all I care about too. Steve. I'm just like, I need to get some sun. Like I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. Get some sun. Make a little money and and keep on keeping on. So help. I'm I'm totally available. I can <laughs> sure. Bahamas as long as it takes you know a year two years however you know long we need to stretch it out for perfect yeah perfect exactly I know it's I'm always gonna have like actually we need some like follow-up shots like we need to just keep 
coming back for more. So wow, I mean that sounds like a little. I I know a little bit more too, you know, which I won't say and things like that. But it sounds yeah. amazing. I mean, it, to me, it's just like, I it's part of history, right? Like yeah. George's piece is part of history. I mean, he he's telling a story. It's a, it for somebody if it could change that person's life just from watching that documentary series it's like whoa the guy spent 25 years in jail i think i better chill out here you know yeah i mean or it's like uh what a crazy fun life i'm in let's do this yeah. you know right yeah, yeah, yeah. i know exactly so we've all sat there and thought about it too and we're like kind of you know you're like you struggle as a filmmaker um and and as an artist a lot of different times throughout your life you know and a lot of different times throughout your career but you know it's your passion you kind of keep going but we're sitting there like doing the math we're like wait 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 so if we just did one run yeah. then then i actually wouldn't have to finish you know what i mean i wouldn't have to do any of this yeah. but um but no jokes aside i mean it's just incredible because again i mean george sat in prison for so long and i'm like what did you do you know like what were you Jeez. doing the whole time and it's just like a very nonchalant like darling i was reading and and writing and holding my own and doing whatever i'm like for 20 <laughs> for 20 yeah. some yeah. odd years Okay, yeah. and it was just like, it's very cavalier. It's like very, you know, it was, it's all very George responses. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, it's just, he's a, he's one of a kind. Well, truly. I think that, you know, I mean, the writing aspect, I don't, I don't know if I could be writing for 25 years, but on the other hand, I have been uh, um, writing for 25 years, even longer, because I went, um, I grew up in, as you know, I grew up in this mobster, like wise guy flower shop. And uh it was pretty interesting because um, I there used to be this great bookstore on Michigan Avenue, and uh, I went in there and see the owner who was a I can't even think of his name Sal Bellows I think it was I can't remember exactly but um, my dad would we deliver flowers to him and his family and things like that and he became a family friend and I went in there one day and I said to him Sal I I have to um, I want to write a story eventually and i want to write about my life because growing up and seeing these gangsters and seeing my godfather's place and where i grew up was like a, like the everybody went there from sportscasters to pro athletes to gangsters to singers i mean frank sinatra would sing at the piano and, and sammy davis jr went there and you name it so it was like you never knew but when you're a kid you don't know anything other than you're seeing your parents there your dad's got his top hat on the women are all dressed up the guys are smoking cigars the women are smoking their cigarettes and they're sipping martinis but then you get older and you learn about all these stories and who these people actually were and that i was delivering flowers to sam giancana and things like that and i just he said steve you really all it takes is for you to get a number two pencil and a yellow pad and start writing because the key is getting it down on paper it isn't about like oh i made a mistake in a spelling of somebody's name or you know there's a paragraph that doesn't read right or whatever get the story done. You can always hire somebody to, you know, write, to write with you as a ghostwriter, or you can, and I'm actually looking and talking to some ghostwriters right now. And, or you, cause I wrote a book of short stories, but I want to really tell the story. So I have 25, 30 years of, of writing by hand, like stacks. Well, I really hope that that ends up um, coming to fruition. Cause that's a story I most definitely would love to hear, watch, be a part of, see it as a series, whatever it would come come yeah. to be because yeah. pretty, pretty de definitely have to have a comedy aspect <laughs> yeah. sure for sure well, i'm sure there was a lot of comedy <laughs> yeah there, okay, yeah, there was of there was you know especially when somebody like sam giancana who might have been responsible for having the kennedys and marilyn monroe killed you know um 
Uh, yep. and, and people can look it up. Did did Sam Giancana or Sammy G have Kennedys killed? And he'll sell you, you know, there's possibilities sure. that he did, you know. Uh, but he would give me an envelope and tell me, he'd, first he'd give me a $100 C-note in my pocket for delivering the flowers to the dame, as he used to call her. And then he'd wind up, uh, you know, tell me to run a package down to the cleaners down the street. So, yeah. yeah. So to end it, awesome. uh, to, you know, to uh, end uh, today and uh, to this end, what would you tell somebody that's trying to do a documentary? What feedback could you tell somebody that like that's, a kid coming out of college or whatever. I always like to give back a little bit. Is your sister uh, there? <laughs> no, no. Penelope's Penelope's dad's here. She just woke up from a nap. So I was oh, like, okay. I need you. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what the text was. I was like, I didn't want to pick up my phone while we're yeah, like, it's okay. We get Freddie's uh, Freddie's <laughs> yeah. daughter sits on yeah. his lap and you know uh, once in a while. Yeah, so you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and bring her onto your lap. We don't care. We love to see Penelope. I know. I would love to. You already know my our, yeah, yeah. our first Gary. I was like, are we doing that? <laughs> um, but uh, it's a great question um, that I really love answering. So hopefully, you know, at some point the right person hears it uh, if if it's needed. But um, and this goes through doing a documentary or doing anything in in music or film or whatever the case may be, because all of our industries are very hard and it's very cutthroat and and unfortunately. Um, the ones that stay true to themselves are, are at, that don't do anything because of money and it's just purely passion. Yep. Um, it's a rarity. Uh, and I would say just stay true to yourself. Um, stay true to what you know is right as a filmmaker. Don't conform to, you know, I already had to tell some people not long ago, like I will not conform to um, the millennial attention span that's going on now. You know, we all feel like we have to cut corners and make everything really quick and like, you know, in your face and blah, 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 because you just want to, we're storytellers. This goes specifically right. for documentarians. We're storytellers. The stories that we're telling, um, there are those people that really want to know the details and the true blue grit of what was going on um, because not everyone is into the five minute videos or the two minute videos or whatever right. it is. We are, we are the lasting um, you know, kind that like really delve in to get to know people's lives. And that's the reason why you have to stay um, true to yourself and to what you know is correct as a filmmaker because you have other people's stories and other people's lives in your hands and it's your job to tell that story respectfully and truthfully. Um, again, you know, I could have portrayed George as a drunk who was, you know, broke and blah, blah. And it's just like, that might've been really cool to get on, you know, and there's like no cuts to like anyone, like, you know, any outlet like TMZ or anything like that, but it's a, it would be, it would have been a quick, whatever, here's the story. No one really gives a shit for longer than, you know, a month. Um, but I believe that the story we've told here because it, it was not doing what we knew would be an automatic sell. It would have been a lot harder and a lot, you know, it's a lot harder of a process, but don't take the easier route. Tell the story the best way you know how to um, and do it with the best of intentions and that, and you'll be fine. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's great advice. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Ready? any other questions? No, I think uh, that was awesome and, you know, loved yeah. hearing all the stories. Uh, you know, definitely was a big Johnny Depp fan. Um, my my other connection to him is actually through a, a good friend of mine who, Scope, you know, Clark, uh, who was on The Bachelor trip. Mm -hmm. He was a featured extra in Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the second oh. film. Yeah, and I forgot. Was like a few times was in the third one, but like, I think he was like super far in the back because they shot 
kind of some of the same stuff at the same time because they already had the scripts for and everything. But he was a featured extra. I can probably point him out like a dozen times in the film where he's like literally right behind the actors, but only after he like showed me who he was, which is surprising because he's like six foot six, <laughs> yeah. like 170 pounds. So he's like tall and skinny and you can like see him from a mile away. But once he's in his pirate beard that he grew out and long hair and all that, uh. and well, you could never tell until he's like, that's me. And I'm like, oh, I see you here, here and here. But um, we went to the Pirates 3 premiere at Disneyland. Cool. And because he knew so many of the characters from being on set, like they would come running over because, again, he's 6'6". He stood over everyone on the side <laughs> of the red carpet and they'd see him and they'd be like, Clarky! Like, um, I can't remember <laughs> his name, but he is, uh, oh, he played Marty. He was the little guy, bald head in the thing. So he's this little guy and he comes running over and like jumps over the re velvet robes. And he's like, Clarky, what's up, man? And like, so, and then because he was so tall, he was able to reach over everyone as Johnny's coming by and like signed, uh, like, you know, Disneyland has the uh, maps. Well, for that day, they had one that had the Pirates of the Caribbean logo on it. And he reached over and got it signed for us and everything. So awesome. that's as close as I got to uh, to Johnny Depp. But I know uh, my friend Clark there was for about three months. I think he just lived in the Caribbean and filmed and amazing. Lived the that's pirate amazing. Life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I amazing. I said, I probably would have stayed in character. I'm like, you guys are going to just leave me here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a pirate forever. They're like, you got, yeah. you know, this isn't real, right? You're like, just, just leave me. Like, yeah, I'm good yeah definitely. All right. Well, then we got to write a next, our next movie will be in the Caribbean so we can all hang out. Yeah. See, Adam Sandler has the right idea. He's just like, we're filming in Hawaii. We're filming yeah. in, it's yeah. always like the coolest places. And he always has a hot wife. I mean, it's like, what else do you, can you really ask for? <laughs> 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 like, how to do it. <laughs> right. Right. You figured it out. I'm telling you. <clears throat> So what are you doing? We'll end it with, uh, what are you doing for the holiday here? Are you having it at your folks or you're having it? What are you guys doing? Yeah, we're going to meet my mom's. Um, it's always a, a fun time over there. You know, my aunt Sophia, she'll be there with her, her children. So I'm sure it'll be um, really nice and clean cut up until right about, you know, after dinner and then we'll, we'll all let loose, but there's only gonna be a few of us. Usually it's a huge, a huge Greek I, gathering. I, I know. Multiple cousins, multiple everything, but you know, do the nature of the beast. Um, I know. And then uh, I have uh, what we were talking about getting your, uh, your Yaya too with us. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She, that would be a really incredible interview. I, she, yeah. we would, I, I would have to, me and Nicole would have to be sitting there to, you know, to like really speak up to answer, to ask the questions. God bless her at, at 90. Um, yeah. What was her, what was her dance name again? Dimples? Dolly what was Dimples. It? Huh? Dolly, Dolly Dimples. Dolly Dimples. <laughs> <laughs> and she was yeah. a real like dancer back in what years like uh yeah, world war well, ii like a singer she sounded like um ella fitzgerald you know what i mean it was like right. that same um that same i mean that same exact voice i mean it's like it almost it's almost like uncanny when you hear it but um so yeah funny. she was one of the first children on television and and uh she performed on the atlantic city boardwalk and i mean me I, you know, I can kind of hold my own, but like none of us got a good singing voice, not one of us. And she just like, really, it was like all just put into that little four foot nine body. <laughs> um, and, and that's Sounds where it, so that's cute. Yeah. yeah. Sounds so cute. Well, listen, and then uh, I keep on saying last, but, uh, but not least, <laughs> George, what's, what's up with George? Um, George is living, weirdly enough, he's living in Weymouth, which is his hometown. He's sure. probably five minutes from his, 
his childhood home, which went full circle. Uh, and pretty much every time he calls me, he just tells me it's cold as fuck. It's cold yeah. as fuck. Yeah. Um, and so he lights and, in, and then he lights another cigarette. So he's okay health wise. I mean, he's, I mean, I'm sure it's 76 yeah. or whatever he is, is, but you know, he's, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing okay. It's, he's doing fine. Um, he is it. he is, you know, 78 years old now and smokes two packs of camel non-filters almost a day and still likes his scotch. But I mean, he's like, it's like Keith Richards, you know what I mean? I mean, Keith, of course, it went sober, so God bless him. And that's probably why he's still keeping on, keep on keeping on. But, um, you know, I like joke, I'm like, if an atomic bomb went off, George would be like, what the fuck happened? And like, still <laughs> be there, you know what I mean? Like, still be there right. outliving all of us. And he's Start married to the girl that he married, that he was the pen pal with and everything? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, of course, I mean, uh, again, we'll all be able to see all the fun stuff in the series. I can't wait for it to come out. Um, but uh, yeah, his, his pen pal of 14 years, um, they ended up meeting as soon as he got out of prison and, but they're not, they didn't officiate, officiate anything. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, listen, I mean, thank you so much. And for anybody that watches this, you got to make sure you check out when it does sell and when it goes live and everything. Boston George famous without the fortune five, five, five part documentary series. Wow. Freddie, what a show. How, uh, how, how great was, uh, Georgette? She she was amazing. I, I I honestly feel like we just keep getting great guests on this show. Like people that I'm interested in learning about, and mm -hmm. the stories they're telling are are so unique and and different. And um, obviously, this one is a nice true crime tie-in. Um, so yeah. you know, which we we like to do, but we also like a little bit of that social and uh, entertainment as well. But uh, I mean, just I. I it, I was just thinking about the other day how difficult it must have been, you know, trying to put this documentary on when her very first interview was supposed to be with him at his place, and you know he got uh, sent back to jail and he had she had to do it in the Sacramento you know court or uh, Sacramento uh, jailhouse and like just I'm sure the hoops you have to go through to get cameras in there and clearance and all that like. I mean, just making a film in general is tough. And so I, 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 that was just like one of those things where I'm like, man, you think your job's hard. Imagine about to go film something. And oh, by the way, we can't do it here. We got to go here because he went to jail. I know, I know, I know. It, it, it was crazy. And you know, I mean, the other thing is, is we talk about uh, in the show is that how, to, how hard it is to get something going, but you just got to be, you just got to dig in, put your head down and put the pedal to the metal and just go, you know, move forward and, and you're going to have, if you're a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, commercial filmmaker, feature, whatever it might be, short films, there's always going to be some obstacle and the train always can, you know, possibly go off the track or not, but you just got to get it back on the track. You don't panic. And, you know, I've been on major shoots where, oh my God, we're going to have to change it up. And if you got a good client, you change it up and you go get it. You know, I think that the most important thing is the, the working with your team and being just so organized, like on our last job. And I think, um, I think that uh, Georgette was able to explain a little bit like to some of the viewers of like, here's what I had to go through. And I think you can learn from it. That's, a, that's yeah. the thing I'm noticing with our podcast and everything or our social hour, as we like to call it now, is that um, with Nicola, her sister, you were able to learn a lot about fashion and what you need to go through with Jack King, with Elsie King, you were able to learn about like what it takes to move forward to be a fourth generation type company. Uh, with Tiki Tony, 
uh, cleaning pools before he got to making his tiki's and things like that too. Yeah, I mean, he he literally lost his job, you know, as a teacher, you know, which is a great stable job, but it would have never afforded him the time to, you know, or or would he have wanted to leave it to do it because it's like, well, it's tough to to leave something that's cushy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. stable for the unknown, which is being, you know, your own boss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be your own boss, there's good and bad things about it. The good things are is that you can reap the rewards and have a great things happen for you. And the bad things are is that it, it, it takes a lot of work and you're going to have highs and lows. So many businesses right now are having their highs and lows. I was on the phone yesterday with a major, major, and I won't, it'll, I'm not going to say who it is or whatever, but they were like, hey, I was just like, hey, you know what? You're, you guys are a fantastic company and sort of do the same thing. If you have any overflow, let me know or whatever. And they were like, dude, we're lucky to even be alive. We, we wow. didn't have salaries for five months, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, that type of thing. So it's like, you know, it's, it's tough out there for everyone, but I, I, I it's, it's calls that's why they call teamwork and production is about teamwork, right? Absolutely. Anything you do in life. So I think that sports taught us that, right? Exactly. And then that's, I think that's, you know, what makes you and I so similar is just like that backbone of sports and, and having to overcome challenges, whether it's in a game or across a season, season yep. to season, you know, making a team, not making a team. You always hear the famous one about Jordan didn't make his varsity team, went home and just practice, 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 practice. And that's like what fueled his drive. And, yep. you know, he never, never lost that even as a NBA superstar. And, you know, yep. if he made that team, would he have been, you know, Michael Jordan today? Maybe, I don't know, you know? Um, and, and so sometimes through that failure, you, you know, can grow and, and blossom into, you know, who you truly should be. And, you know, hopefully that's what uh, is happening right now. We're just, everyone is uh, learning a lot and, you know, finding out who they are and what they're made of. And, and, you know, we'll rise up after this. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to find my, my, my Michael Jordan picture, by the way. And Jane. I, I know. Back it's so that. good. Right? You need you to bring that? that hair back. <laughs> well, you know what, what I you got left. <laughs> I just saw that mullets are on their way back. Do it. Sco. I just saw literally mullets are on their way back. So, um, well, well it's a skullet at... now, but <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, but that was his rookie year and, uh, I had a great time. We used to shoot a lot of his stuff for Nike and everything. And, uh, I always bring that picture out and people just crack up. I think it definitely looks, uh, uh better looking now than I was in my thirties there. You're like Benjamin button. There you go. I'm going downward. So, Look out. So, all right. Well, listen, what a great uh, show with uh, Georgette Angelos uh, for Blow and for the, you know, for Boston George and uh, about the movie Blow. And I'm very, very excited for her. And uh, she just actually had a uh, distributor has picked up the, uh, the uh, package and uh, they're trying to push it out into the theaters and that. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. And, uh, you know, and I know next week we got another great guest. We won't say it yet. We'll tease it later. But um, always a pleasure, Scope. Had a great time. Hope you guys did too at home. Yep, you too, Freddy. Thank you. All right. Bye now. All right, so, uh, oh God, I feel old today. What do we start with? <laughs> Welcome, Schofield's Flowers Social yeah. Hour. Yeah. Um, Gof. Is it 26? Because you hit me up with 20. But 
No. Okay. No, I asked you if you were able to record in 20 scopes. Yeah. Bada boom, bada boom, bada boom. Hey, I look like yeah. a prize fighter, right? Hey, hey, hey.